0: Well, hey there my friend, Jonathan Doyle with you here Welcome aboard to the Catholic Teacher Daily Podcast We are back on the horse Got a great week of content coming up It is uh, just a real privilege to record this And I hope that uh, something that I say can be used by the Holy Spirit To confirm you in this incredible vocational work that you do every single day as a Catholic educator Do you know that God sees you? Do you know that He is aware of the efforts that you make, especially those little ones. You know, often on stage and I'm speaking to teachers, I'm always talking about what I call God's economy. In a human economy, we value bigger is better than smaller, more is better than less, faster is better than slower. But in the economy of the kingdom of God, you know, the, the scripture really clearly tells us that his ways are as high above our ways, his thoughts as high above our thoughts as the heavens are above the earth. And so what he values, you know, scripture again tells us that, you know, if you look back to the book of Samuel, when uh, you know, the uh, the sons of Jesse are being brought before Samuel and uh, sorry, brought before the prophet, and they're looking at the appearance. And then, of course, there's that famous line, man looks at appearance, but God looks at the heart. God sees these tiny little things. Mother Teresa used to talk about that. She was always big on this idea that, that it isn't the act. It isn't the size of the act. It's the motivation of the heart, the small things done with great love. And I just want to remind you as you go through your day as a Catholic teacher that those little things, and these little things that you do, you know no one's ever going to see them. Like just the smallest things. Literally something as small as a smile or a wave. I often say that, you know, you could have a, a student in your school who's dealing with anything, right? You could just pick anything. Loss of a grandparent, stress in the home, family breakdown, some form of trauma, who knows? And they're carrying that and no one knows about that, but just walking down a corridor in your school and smiling and saying, hey, good morning, and just, just recognizing them. Just being the awareness of Christ in some young person's life is such a powerful thing, you know, that they that you're bringing the awareness that that Christ sees them, and you are embodying that into the world. So please, my friend, do not underestimate the smallest things that you do. The smallest word of encouragement, the smallest word of affirmation can have such a big difference. That is a long introduction. I didn't plan to say much of that, but let's pray that uh, the good Lord will use it. Friends, uh, housekeeping, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you like what you hear, If you find it encouraging in any sense, I'd love you to share it. Uh, Subscribe to it, but share it. Just pop it on your social feed, send it to some other teachers. It's a great privilege to see it growing over time and reaching more people. So do that. Uh, You can find everything you need to know about me on the website, jonathandoyle.co.co. speaking to Catholic teachers all over the world in live events. So if you'd like me to come and speak to your staff in your diocese, please go check out the website. And if you're on Instagram, I am at J Doyle Speaks, J Doyle Speaks, and there's a load of video as well on YouTube at One Catholic Teacher. All right, friends, let's do it. On my other podcast, believe it or not, I actually record two podcasts a day, and I do another one for kind of broad motivation, business, personal development stuff that I've been doing for years, and I've been sharing some insights on that other channel from the mythologist Joseph Campbell. And if you're not familiar with Joseph Campbell, he's quite famous uh, as a thinker, philosopher, mythologist, and he was the one that kind of articulated this idea of the hero's journey. You may have heard of that. It's kind of a, if you've ever taught English literature, you've probably come across it. It's this archetype, right? It's It's this sort of archetype, this narrative archetype of the hero's journey, which is You know, there's a, the hero is kind of languishing somewhere. They're stuck in some backwater. And the way to think about it is, uh, the first ever Star Wars movie, you know, the original Star Wars, because the reason that movie was so, one of the reasons it was so successful, there was a few, but one of them was that it absolutely nailed this hero's journey and, you know. You've got Luke Skywalker languishing in this backwater, nowhere going nowhere, and you, you know the movie starts with his frustration, and then a stranger appears, uh, Obi Wan, and then uh, he sort of reveals a new identity, a new possibility to the hero. Uh, but the only way that they can enter that is to go on the hero's journey, is to is to face incredible risks and say goodbye to everything they've known, and face obstacles and hardships, and find inner strength and come back changed. They return to their, uh, to their community changed. And as I said on my other show, the roots of that are very deep. If you look at, uh, when Homer was writing the Iliad, you, that's around about 3000 BC. Um, you, are seeing the hero's journey in Odysseus, in, um, you know, Odysseus traveling, leaving Ithaca, traveling to the Trojan War and then returning through all these trials back to Ithaca. So There's an introduction to Joseph Campbell. (laughs) You're like going, okay, you've covered a bit of ground. We've only just started. But I wanted to share a quote. I've just been working through some of his quotes and um, really powerful stuff. And gosh, we have such great riches. You know, Campbell obviously is not part of the ordinary magisterium of the Catholic Church, but there is such great wisdom. And I think all wisdom, all true wisdom, whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is beautiful comes to us from the Holy Spirit permeating through culture. And scripture is full of men and women who weren't necessarily um, under the authority of God, still being used by God to accomplish his ends and purposes. So let me share this with you today, because this quote ties into something which I think is absolutely indispensable for every single Catholic teacher, principal, bishop, anybody in Catholic leadership or ministry anywhere at all times. So let me share this with you. He says this. You must have a room, or a certain hour or so a day, where you don't know what was in the papers that morning. I guess these days we'd say news websites. Then he says, you don't know who your friends are, you don't know what you owe anybody, you don't know what anybody owes you. This is a place where you can simply experience and bring forth what you are and what you might be. This is the place of creative incubation. At first you may find that nothing happens there. But if you have a sacred place and use it, something eventually will happen. Okay. For me, this is pointing to the absolute primacy of our life of prayer. So I will never back off on this one I speak about it a lot when I'm doing staff professional development, when I'm doing big keynotes, when I'm doing anything involving Catholic educators, I I put this as one of the pillars of how we navigate and grow through the challenges we face. So for many of us, what happens, of course, is we may not have developed a life of prayer. We may have not particularly developed that, that discipline over the years. No one taught us really how to have one. We may not have seen it modeled and we just kind of get up every day and we're like, oh, you know, Lord... You know, good morning and hello Jesus, and you might say a two-second prayer and off we go. But I'm really pointing us to something different. I'm talking us. I'm pointing us towards what I often refer to as a fundamental disposition, a, a modality of being, a modality of life itself. So for close to 30 years, I have had a, a pretty strong, really, you know, almost relentless daily ritual of a life of prayer. Wherever I am in the world, Uh, you know, I've got a young family. We've got three teenagers. So for me, it's 4 a.m. It's pretty much 4 a.m. most days, and it is an extraordinary time because it's so quiet, and I'm a morning person, and it's so peaceful. So I'm not telling you anybody listening to start at 4 a.m., because some of you would go, Jonathan, good luck with that. But it's just the thing that's been on my heart for for all these years. And and I just want to encourage you to begin to consider building this life of prayer in. So what Campbell says in this quote is, you know, you bring forth what you are, like what happens in that silence is is something over time. So it's not like a ticker box exercise where we're instantly transported into, you know, vast spiritual realms. It could happen, you know, we can't limit God, but for most of us, it's this gradual disposition of heart. So my prayer at the moment has changed a little bit recently, whereas I, you know, i I sit in the silence, I have a coffee, I've got this beautiful sort of sacred space that I have and then I'm just going through the readings of the day. So I've got the order, the, the church's order of mass for the day and then I'm really going back to scripture. So I'm really spending every day just allowing Christ to speak to me through his word because, of course, he is the word. So an encounter with him through the scriptures, is a very genuine encounter. You know, look at the Second Vatican Council, De Verbum. There's a beautiful line there, which I often share in live events about. I think it says, I can't quite it exactly, but it's basically, you know, it says it is in the sacred texts that the Father comes to speak lovingly with his children, that God himself actually comes to speak to us as children through that text. So I've been very challenged recently to realize that, even if I was a daily mass, I probably wasn't engaging enough with the scriptures. So that's just what I'm doing at the moment. I'm not saying that's exactly what you have to do, of course. But there's just this, and then I do a lot of journaling. Sometimes I read the uh, the office of readings from the divine office. So I'm getting some exposure to the doctors of the church. I'm getting some exposure to the patristic fathers. I'm getting some exposure to the great men and women saints throughout the centuries, which has been really beautiful too. And that's just what I'm doing. Again, I really want to clarify that, that that God moves us all in different forms of prayer. You know, for years, I used to have my guitar out and I'd be doing worship, worship music. And so different seasons of life, we might pray in different ways. But I want to give you another thought on this. I caught up with my own um, friend, a great priest friend of mine recently, and who's just been a great blessing to us. Who's the priest that witnessed our marriage and we had confession the other day. And I was talking about my daily prayer and life of prayer. And he was like, because I was sort of looking at making some changes and he just reminded me of this great truth. Do you know what the purpose of prayer is? Like, it's not about a formula. It's not about a must to do this. It's not about, well, if I'm going to be a serious Catholic educator or a principal, I should. He said, it's, he reminded me of this great and important truth. It's about relationship. That whatever our prayer is, it's about growing in intimacy with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And growing in greater love for his mother and growing in greater love for the church triumphant and Holy Mother Church here on earth. It's about learning to love those around us more. It's learning to become saints. But the fundamental vector of aspiration, as John Paul II used to say, I always love that phrase, vector of aspiration, is that we grow in relationship. So, my friend, You know, listen again to Joseph Campbell here. He says, at first you may find nothing happens there, but if you have a sacred place and use it, something eventually will happen. So what's that something? Well, I would suggest to you that what will happen is if you begin to intensify and deepen this life of prayer, you will become, over time, such a blessing to your educational Catholic faith community in in little ways you you will just you will develop just you know he takes nothing god takes nothing he he simply what's the word i'm looking for elevates christifies that's a new one that your natural abilities he he deepens you he kind of just you know pope benedict used to talk about the saints of This time in history, he said that the men and women of the church's future will be will be saints, and this is a beautiful phrase that he uses: that they they have embraced a greater vision. You know, their their hearts and minds are caught up in a greater vision of reality itself, and that is what the commitment to daily prayer and all sorts of other interesting stuff happens. Like you pray long enough, you start to see these layers of brokenness and weakness and sin in your own life, but it's not crushing. You know, I I had a lot of, a lot of formation in St. John of the Cross and he, he gives this example in the ascent of Mount Carmel of like a log being on a fire. When a log goes on a fire at first, you see all the imperfections like centipedes or caterpillars or cockroaches come flying out of the bark and they're forced out. And then you see, you know, or then you see, um, like you know, water and fluid maybe coming out of the the end of the log, and then and then, as it burns, you saw see all these little imperfections and marks upon the timber, but he said eventually the timber becomes literally one with the fire and is becomes the fire and it was an analogy for prayer because as our life of prayer begins we we are often aware of our frailties and limitations and Christ works very gently with us to kind of drive those out over time. And friends, it can be a long time. I turned 50. Uh, this is my 50th year, and it, it's quite humbling to realize how many years it can take. So if you're struggling with anything, with patterns of sin or, or damage to relationship or things that just seem intractable, have patience with yourself, because sometimes the Lord knows exactly what he's doing, and he just... I think it's, so for me, it's like his sense of humor. He's like looking back and going, Jonathan, look at what you worried about and, and stressed about and thought would never change. You know, like, look back now, look back. Like, you you know, I think God would say to me, look, you, you tried to stay faithful and he's been faithful to me. I don't want you to miss any of this. I don't want you to miss any of this richness. I don't want you to miss any of this growth. So my friend, to sum up, this great mythologist, Joseph Campbell, is telling us that if, if you want to live, you know, the, uh, I said on the other show that Aristotle has a great quote where he says that the unexamined life is not worth living. Too much introspection can be dangerous, but I think we're at a cultural moment where the exact opposite is happening, where there is not enough introspection. There's not enough stillness and solitude and silence and, and mystery in our lives. So can I encourage you specifically to take some action this week, whether it means you're getting up a bit earlier or there's all sorts of possibilities for you. Like some people are night people and you might have Eucharistic adoration nearby that goes into the evening and maybe after dinner when the kids are down, you can escape. I used to do that. for, You know, you just, you jump in your car and go and it's never easy and it's never practical and it's never convenient, but it's never pointless. And it's, he, he, He never lets you down. So, it might be that on the way home from school you stop in the chapel, or you go to the school chapel after school. Who knows? But you got to be a bit of a revolutionary here, right? I I think that Benedict's right. The men and women of this coming change are going to be men and women of revolution who do revolutionary things in a culture of distraction and addiction. You know what's that old saying? In the in the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed person is king. (laughs) It's like in the kingdom of distraction, the person who spends any time. In prayer, is is King, right? Or Christ is King. But you get my point. So, I just want the best for you. I I just want you to miss nothing of the grace and the beauty um, that God has for you and that He wants to do through you. And um, I'll give you one final example that you know, Karen and I have been married almost twenty five years, and she's an, just the most incredible person. And we're in this. Some of you will really re- resonate with this. We're in that absolute maelstrom of teenage parenting. So we've got three, we had, well, when our kids were born, they were three under the age of three. Go figure, right? It's just absolutely, we couldn't have kids for years. And then we had, it was three and a half. They were three under the age of three and a half. So now they've all hit teens around the same time. So we've got like 16, 15, 13. And I had no idea. I kind of thought that when they didn't sleep as little kids, that was going to be the hardest part. And I'm just like, now we're just on, like we are just on all the time. Character formation, dealing with issues, peer group stuff, faith formation, all of the stuff that we have to do, all the little dramas, you know. And the stuff that I do, it's like um, I take my son, who's fourteen, to play golf twice a week in the afternoons. Excuse me. I take my thirteen-year-old daughter to horse riding. I take my sixteen-year-old daughter surfing every Saturday, it Takes, which is you know, two-hour drive each way and this is no complaint right? and some of you are doing more than this and, and you know it's, it's by the time you're getting into bed at night you're like it's exhausting right and one of the other aspects of this of course many of you will remember is that it's hard to keep your marriage flourishing and your relationship growing and uh and so on friday all our three kids went to we've got a great catholic youth group here and uh all our three kids now can go because it's like a high school age one and all three went and Karen and I, are like you know, it's like Christmas Eve. It's like oh my gosh, like we have like three or and a half you know hours where we just can actually hang out. So we went out for dinner and we sat across the table together, and it was just the best night. We had the best night, just because our story, like our marriage and our dating story, is a really great one, and and we had this incredible friendship uh, and dating story. And to reconnect to that and to be across the table from each other and think, you know what, despite all the chaos and craziness and busyness, we're still good. Like we still get each other and we're still good. And here's my point. You know, it's very possible like in a marriage to, to have a relationship with Christ, but there's no real intimacy. There's no real connection. There's no real time spent together. And just like Karen and I reconnected across that table. You and I have to reconnect with Christ, but I think it's even more important that we do it daily. Because if I'm not spending time with Karen, then the relationship, you know, we're solid. Like, you know, we're not, nothing's going terribly wrong, but if we're not having that time, then it's hard to build a relationship. And the cool thing about it is it doesn't have to be all dramatic. Like Karen and I don't have to like stare into each other's eyes for five hours a day. It's just this being with each other. In many ways, that's what prayer is too, right? especially in the contemplative lens it's just the being with the presence of Christ you know the being with the lord so just as a marriage is sustained by time together i think our spiritual lives cannot be sustained without that time together so that's a long podcast today but please 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 take this seriously that time is not infinite we don't you know you don't want to get to the end of your life and suddenly think oh yeah i should really start a prayer life Start it now. Start it today. Start it tomorrow morning, and just um, go gently with it, and just allow the Lord to lead you. And maybe find a great priest. I just priests are awesome. I'm such a fan of priests. I just think I was just watching a a YouTube with um Father Mark Beard. Some of you may have heard of, who died tragically about a year ago. But my lordy glory, just watching that guy go, I'm like ah, oh, what a story, and what a great priest, and what a love he has for the people of God, and. So if you have any access to great priests, just make a point to thank them this week. For They've been such a blessing in my life, such a blessing. You know, with all the scandal that's happened over the last 20 years, which is just so real and so terrible, may it never let us lose sight of the absolute radical generosity and goodness of so many fine men who have um, who serve us in the priesthood. So if you're a priest listening to this today... Um, uh, you know, God bless you. And if you if you've got a good priest in your life, maybe send him this podcast and say, listen to the last couple of minutes, because we are so lucky to have you. And of course, great women religious as well. But, um, yeah, just so blessed by that. All right. So please make sure you're subscribed. I've got another great episode coming for you tomorrow, probably hopefully a bit shorter. And, and you know what? A lot of times these episodes are coming from that prayer. Like, you know what Joseph Campbell says, this sacred place, something will eventually happen. So i in the mornings at 4am, when I'm reading the scriptures and I'm reading the church fathers and I'm reading the different books and sitting in prayer, he's so generous. Like so many times i prayed, I said, "Lord, give me something, give me something. <laughs> you know, like he just multiplies, like think of the loaves and the fishes. He just, all he wanted was just, you guys bring something, you guys bring something and I'm going to make it much more. So my job is to bring something, which is to bring some prayer and to bring some reading. And then he shows up and he hopefully gives me things that are a blessing to people. And in his beautiful economy, you know, I know mum listens to this podcast. Maybe if there's one other person, I don't know. (laughs) Even if just one of you was listening, if I only had an audience of one, I would still do it because he can multiply. Look, I'm sorry to do this, but can I tell you one more cool story? Like you, you have no idea what he can do. I heard this incredible story the other day from, um, The guy, Lee Strobel, so if you're not familiar with Lee Strobel, he wrote these very influential books in the 80s, I think, called The Case for Christ, The Case for God, The Case for Creation. And he was, uh, long story short, but he was an investigative journalist, atheist. His wife became Christian, drove him nuts. And because he had these incredible uh, investigative journalist skills, he thought, right, I'm going to use these skills my wife wrong, she's delusional. I'm going to show her she's not a Christian. Long story short, he becomes absolutely, it becomes a massive Christian evangelist. But he tells this story about the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And he said he was, um, he said he was, he was working for the New York Times or the Washington Post. And there was somebody at his work who he just like, the spirit prompted him to go and just instantly preach the gospel to this guy and invite him to church like literally walk up to this atheist who he knew, they were, they, were, they were colleagues, and say, look, I'm really sorry to have to do this, but I just want to tell you that Christ died for your sins and God has this incredible plan for your life and you need to come back to church. You need to come to church, maybe for the first time. And then Lee Strobel's going, no way. Like he's saying to the Holy Spirit, no, this is not from you, no way. they are just going to laugh at me, it's going to be ridiculous. But he tries to be obedient, right? So Lee Strobel walks up to this atheist... And says, Look, I'm really sorry to do this to you, but God's put it on my heart to tell you that He died for your sins. He's opened the doors to heaven for you. He wants you to come to church. The atheist looks at him and says, No, I'm offended. I, I really don't, you know, no, I've never come to church. I don't believe in your God. This is ridiculous. And Listro Bell's kind of really upset. He's like, Okay, walks off and he's really confused because he's like, Well, I was obedient and that just went terribly. So a couple of years later, He's preaching at an event and this different guy, not the atheist, a different guy comes up to him and says, Mr. Strabell, can I talk to you, please? And he says, sure. He says, look, uh, you don't know me. We've never met. But um, he said, about two years ago, he said, I was an intern at the Washington Post. And he said, you don't remember this, but you actually came in one day and there was another person there and you just stood at the counter there at their desk and you just preached the gospel. And Lee Strabell said, oh, yeah, I think I remember that. And he said, what you didn't know, he said, is, is that I actually had dropped something and I was on my hands and knees um under that counter trying to get something out. And he said, I happened to be on my hands and knees when you preached the gospel and invited this guy to church. And he said, it convicted my heart. And he said I was just completely convicted and I got back to church and he said, God's just taken control of my life. And he said I would never be here if you hadn't done that. And I was like messed up by that. You he can hear it in my voice. I'm like, like God's just playing with us. He's like you know, here's Listro Bell thinking, oh gosh, I was obedient and it failed. But oh, we do not see, my friends, we do not see what he is doing behind the scenes. So you you do not see what he might be doing through one conversation you have with a student. If you're a principal, he doesn't you do not know what he might be doing through your faithfulness and your holiness and your desire to build a great Catholic Christian educational community. If you're a bishop listening to this, you cannot know how. Your pursuit of holiness and your pastoral heart if you're obedient can just bless people so let us all be encouraged by that story and i will now promise to stop i really will because i just i love you guys and I, and I really care about this message and i want everything i want you to have everything that god has for you so please make sure you're subscribed please share this with people and uh everything's on the website jonathan i'm back speaking in the u.s and so if you want to book me to speak to staff i cover a whole range of topics Burnout for teachers, resilience, faith formation, mission, Catholic vision, mission and identity for education, leadership. Um, I speak to students still. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I do, and of course, consultancy work. So I do a lot of sort of top end consultancy for Catholic organizations on their projects and different things. Uh, I hope that's all useful. If you're on Instagram, come and say hi, J Doyle Speaks. If you've got your phone, just type in J Doyle Speaks, one word in Instagram, and just send me a DM. Say hello, let me know that you're listening. uh, Otherwise you can send me a message through the website JonathanDoyle.co So if there's a topic that you would like me to speak about In your journey of Catholic education Just email me through the website JonathanDoyle.co God bless you my friends This has been the Catholic Teacher Daily Podcast And you and I are going to talk again tomorrow